Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. It is episode 100 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I think this is the first time in the history of the podcast that we've dropped episodes on back-to-back days as well. But it's a big episode 100 because it was trade deadline day. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that. Our podcast is brought to you by Montana's. Their all-you-can-eat rib fest is going on right now. And if you're in Western Canada, like me, then you can check out one of their events. We'll have the list in the article for this podcast if you want to check out one of those as well. It was like a buffet of trades, I suppose you could call it today, BK. No Coombsy today. Usually when I'm not on a podcast, he has some weird way of like taking shots at me for the first three minutes, but he bailed last minute. So he didn't really give me the opportunity to do that. But I'm excited to be joined by uh, BK. How's it going, man? Yeah, happy to do this with you. Uh, also wasn't aware Coombsy wasn't going to be here until very late. So uh, yeah, we'll get our shots in and it's going to be a great pod. Great pod without that man. Yeah, we don't we don't need Coombsy in here fumbling around. No uh, anyways, let's dig into what happened on deadline day. Three moves by the Toronto Blue Jays and they started the day. Well, actually, maybe we could go back to last night first and talk about a move that didn't happen. Uh, you tweeted out that the Jays were in talks for Noah Syndergaard. A couple other insiders piled on top of that, and it didn't end up happening. What did you make of the Jays' interest in Noah Syndergaard and, and maybe why they went as far into those talks as they did? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know the full rotation outlook, whether it was going to be like uh, acquire Syndergaard and go with a six-man rotation or bump Stripling from the rotation, or I, I don't think they would have bumped Kikuchi until he had another stretch of struggling. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, the ideal scenario was you add a solid, you know, not not great, like Syndergaard isn't what he used to be, but like another number four, number five starter. Uh, it lets you space out Manoa's outings if you go like a month with a six-man rotation. Um, cause as much as he seems like a workhorse, his stuff has actually declined a little bit the last little while. And he's just now reaching his career high in innings. So it, it kind of felt like both a Manoa hedge, a Kikuchi hedge and an overall rotation health hedge. So, uh, it made a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, I, I tweeted out that the Jays and the angels were in talks and, and they were, uh, you know, pretty far down the line in discussions on Monday night. Um, that obviously didn't close Monday night and it advanced into Tuesday. Um, and there was, you know, insiders reporting that basically it came down to the Phillies and Blue Jays. So, uh, clearly they ended up liking the, uh, Phillies offer. And at that point, uh, obviously the, the Blue Jays pivoted elsewhere for, uh, for, uh, starting or at least swingman style pitching. Um, but yeah, it would have been fun to see Syndergaard come back just because of his history with the Jays being drafted by them. 
Um, at the same time, yeah, I mean, he just, he's not the same guy that he once was. And he would have been like a number four, number five for this team. And it's interesting because if Cindergaard would have came over, it would have been like a headline kind of banner move. Instead, you mentioned they pivot. They go get Mitch White from the LA Dodgers, a team that they've traded with in the past, bringing over Ross Stripling. But Mitch White is not going to get any sort of headlines from the national media or anything like that. They're not leading SportsCenter with Jays get Mitch White, whereas they may have led SportsCenter with Jays get Noah Cindergaard. But Mitch White is nothing to really scoff at, even if he's not a household name, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say this just because of the Dodger comp, but like he, he kind of is Ross Stripling, right? He's got that um, he's a little throws a little harder than Stripling, but he, he pretty seamlessly has fulfilled a swingman role while in the majors with the Dodgers. He's put up some starts and and uh, been able to, you know, have some length into games that way. And also he's pitched out of the bullpen in a long man relief and occasionally uh, higher leverage appearance here and there. But uh, yeah, there aren't very many players who can bounce back and forth between the rotation and bullpen like there used to be in baseball. Mm. Um, it is tricky, you know, when it comes to like the build up and um, of, of a rotation and the repertory needed to be in rotation, all that stuff. But yeah, he just kind of feels like the Blue Jays just acquired a long-term Ross Stripling. Um, I believe uh, Mitch White has like another four years of control after this year. Um, so it is a long-term move, uh, not a high salary move. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, results wise this year, he, he's comparable to Syndergaard and stuff wise, like the way those metrics would play out, he's, you know, somewhat comparable to Syndergaard. I think the fastball difference between the two of them is like 0.2 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, m- much less fanfare and understandably. So, um, I totally get that, but, uh, still a valuable role for this team this year. Uh, again, if they want to just have some six man rotation weeks, um, or if somebody gets hurt and somebody needs to step in the rotation, you now have a Mitch White to cover that role. Um, and, and he's got a, you know, a place, a, a prominent place with this team moving forward. Uh, the Blue Jays gave up Nick Frasso for Mitch White. And Frasso might not be a name that's uh, up there for a lot of fans. Um, but in the 2020 pandemic draft, the Jays took him the fourth round. Um, he pretty quickly had Tommy John surgery. Uh, he came back this year and was throwing like 100 miles an hour. Uh, as a starter and uh, in, in Vancouver um, he, he just got promoted there recently, but between Dunedin and Vancouver, he was basically pitching to a sub one ERA with a K rate over 13. So he looked very good. Obviously again, a banged up arm and all that stuff um, uh, just coming back and small sample size, like 35 innings this year, but he was dominant and clearly a guy that was asked about a lot by teams at the deadline. Um, so again, it, it speaks while Mitch White wasn't, you know, a dumpster diving move. They gave up something they really liked to get Mitch White. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how well he fulfills that role they need him this year and next. Yeah, between single A and high A, he's racked up 57 strikeouts through 36 and two thirds innings. His ERA, like you said, it's not just like barely under one, it's 0.74. So he's got some really good numbers, but, <laughs> you know, you, you got to give up to get, right? And you look at the numbers, Mitch White, like you said, has posted this year. It's Noah Syndergaard esque without maybe the fanfare and the high salary of that kind of move. So it's one of those things where I think today it leaves a lot of casual fans kind of throwing their arms up being like, what the hell? But I, I wonder if 12 months from now, we're maybe not looking back on this. I mean, like, damn, that was like a really smart move, similar to the Ross Stripling acquisition, right? I know yeah, you kind of joked about it, right? Like a lazy comparison to be like, oh, Mitch White to Stripling just because they're both Dodgers. But I think it's one of those things that as time goes on, we'll look back on this and be like, you know what? That was another astute move by Atkins and company. 
Yeah, I think just because of the special arm they traded away, uh, this is one of those highly volatile trades, right? Like it could work out phenomenally well in the short term and be a very clear win long term. Yeah. Uh, Frasso could be healthy and be this like high 90s starting pitcher. And that could really come back to hurt in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was future value realized, uh, traded away for, for present value. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't touched on this, but an overall a somewhat underwhelming deadline. So some of these names that aren't necessarily big names, clearly the Jays are banking on performance from them. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to prove it through, through actual performance because the, the overall shock value of the deadline kind of comes across as, well, this is underwhelming. Atkins, in speaking to the media today, said, quote, we're exceptionally excited about the group that we've added to this exciting young core that we have so much confidence in and to add to a group that or to add a group to that team that can be a part of this for some time. So obviously speaking to the fact that a lot of these guys under team control, uh, Mitch White was one of the final moves of the deadline. We'll get to Whit Merrifield in a second. Jay's also earlier in the day, though, doing the the one thing we really expected them to, and that's go out and get some relievers and Anthony Bass and a local product, Zach Papa, good Canadian boy. Um, but what do you make of going to get Anthony Bass? Like I, I, I get a lot of really mixed reviews based on where you read and what you look into with Anthony Bass. A lot of, you know, he's obviously having a tremendous season. Good chunk of people say that's not sustainable. Another chunk of people say, yeah, it's probably sustainable for the rest of this season, but relievers are volatile. Um, so there's always risk when you go out and do something like this, going to get relievers at the deadline. What do you make of Bass first before we get to pop? Yeah, Bass is, uh, not the same pitcher he was as a blue Jay a couple years ago. Right. So he, he was a journeyman bounce around the minors and majors for a handful of years. I believe he went overseas for one or two years. Um, he's not the typical path to just being a performing major league pitcher. He's 34 years old right now. That being said, yes, he's better than he was as a Blue Jay. There's a reason he was desirable. Um, for those who like uh, a baseball savant page and those uh, you know zero to one hundred bars, he's nothing but red. The only thing that he has a poor pitch metric in is his fastball spin rate. He doesn't have a high spin rate at all with his fastball. Um, beyond that, absolutely everything is like seventy fifth to ninetieth percentile. So a truly good reliever um, with a chase rate of 86, uh, 86th percentile in baseball. So he gets uh, some swing and miss, uh, a whiff rate of 78, uh, 78th percentile. So he gets some of those, uh, that swing and miss the Jays are looking for. He's not a premium swing and miss guy, uh, which again, we'll kind of address when we, when we overall talk about uh, the trade deadline here. Um, but Anthony Bass is a legitimate reliever. Um, and with a $3 million option next year too. Right. So you get him for a year and a half. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he is, he's quite, quite different than the guy he was a couple of years ago. And, uh, his, his pitch usage has changed. He throws away more of his off speed, um, stuff now. And that's been a winning formula for him. But again, you want to check out baseball savant and look at 2020 when he was a blue Jay versus 2022, very different, uh, metrics that you see there. So. One of the concerns I saw with him is just that he's been suppressing home runs at maybe an unsustainable level this year. And if that's going to you know, eventually rise back up to the average a little, it could very well happen in a ballpark like the Rogers Center. But again, like they were choking on, uh, I think I was watching Baseball Central or something or Bark or whatever um, about how Joe Jimenez, right? That's a guy who a lot of people talked about is like, oh, that's a name you go get. And it's like, well, 12 months ago, he was like a DFA candidate. Like, and now all of a sudden people are yeah. believing him to be some sort of elite reliever that can be the guy for you to get big three big outs in a postseason game. Like 
I don't know. I, I think to some extent you're always just rolling the dice when you go get these guys. And like the other thing we know about deadline acquisitions and again, relievers specifically, maybe Zach pop ends up being impactful and bass like gets lit up in three starts and he's like fucking Brad hand 2.0. I know I probably shouldn't put that out into the universe, but the point is you just <laughs> never know with relievers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And your, your point about the home run rate is valid. He has a way below league average home run rate. And those t- things tend to regress to the mean. Um, I will say that his low home run rate is probably why his ERA is 1.4. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly he's not a 1.4 ERA guy, but that home run rate can climb. And again, it's, it's all the other metrics that look really good. Right. So yes, you're probably going to see some regression there. Um, you know, his fastball is 95. He's not some high nineties guy. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot to like Zach pop, super intriguing. And the way this trade played out, uh, here on Tuesday was fascinating to me. Kashai uh, Davidi broke the early parts of the trade saying the blue Jays either got, or were close to getting Zach pop and Groshans was part of the deal. And everyone's first, inclination there is to go look at stats, right? Cause Zach pop, I mean, what do we know about Zach pop? So we go look, he's got like a six K rate per nine, right? Like a totally underwhelming strikeout rate. Um, and you're like, all right, like how is Groshans involved in a Zach pop trade? This feels like a minor league, minor level deal. And then you get the Anthony Bass name and okay, like this trade makes more sense, but then you get to looking into Zach pop and one, the guy can throw like 97, 98, 99 with like a power sinker. And uh, Eno Saris, who writes for The Athletic, he has a pitching metric that he's, he's built over years. He's a, he's a big pitching data guy. Um, and he's got stuff plus and control plus or location plus. And basically, he'll evaluate pitchers on, on their stuff. He's got metrics that go into that um, and then how well they control it. And he said, Zach Pop has like a top 30 slider in all of baseball this year. So he's just not throwing it enough. So if you take his power sinker with an elite ground ball rate and pair it with an elevated use of the slider, which is clearly an elite pitch that he doesn't throw enough. Again, the Marlins aren't probably the most data friendly team out there. And maybe they were falling short on this side of things, but uh, I'm super intrigued by Zach pop. Again, you don't hang your deadline on the acquisition of guys that you can dream on. But again, the high velocity that the Jays want is there. He's got a good ground ball rate, which is nice, but it's not the swing and miss. His performance to date hasn't had the high K rate, but there is legitimate stuff to dream on. And he's a guy you have for like five, six years, right? So very intriguing trade. It was a great trade by the Jays, in my opinion. Jordan Groshans has not developed to be anywhere near the prospect IP has. When you see that the Jays gave up their fourth prospect for these guys, don't believe that. Internally, I doubt the Jays had him as a top 10 guy at Hmm. this point. Um, But yeah, so there's, there's a lot to dream on with Pop and some immediate returns you would expect from Anthony Bass. It was a really good trade. Just in isolation, it was a really good trade, even though it felt underwhelming, even at the time. Yeah. And again, I think not, not to do this, but like some people who are maybe just casually observing the team might sit there and be like, Oh, you gave up Jordan Groshans. Like he was our first round pick a few years ago. It seems like he was a first round pick a few years ago, but this Mm -hmm. is maybe one of those instances where the team held onto a prospect too long, right? Where the shine and glamor of him being a first round pick is that continues to just wear less and less. And it's like, Oh, the flaws of his game are getting exposed in professional baseball. His value seemed to seem to really start to plummet as he started to plummet down these prospect lists as well. Like they probably get more if they deal Groshans at the deadline last season. Oh, definitely. And, and Groshans has had one of the weirder, like roller coaster, you know, from draft to, you know, progression to high A that I can remember because the Jays picked him 12th overall. Um, and he was more like, again, just industry prospect rankings had a more like 30th. 
Um, he also signed for under slot, which was kind of an indication on, yeah, the Jays really liked them, but it's not like anybody else was going to pick him that high necessarily. Uh, so first of all, he was kind of overdrafted. And then he burst onto the scene with a monster yeah. rookie minor league season where he went from overdrafted to like underdrafted. Like, oh, did the Jays get like a top five caliber guy from that draft class at 12? Like what a deal. And then he got hurt and he just dealt with all these injuries nonstop from like 2019 through, you know, 2021. Um, and then obviously the pandemic year was lost and he actually performed in 2019 and 2021 when healthy. And in, you know, he, he never showed the home run pop you expected, but he had seven bombs in 75 games in 2021, like more than this year. And then, yeah, coming into this season, just a weird minor league season. Very weird. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's walking a decent amount. He's not striking out a ton, but like all he does is hit singles and like slap the ball opposite field. And when you're a guy who probably profiles as a third baseman and not a fast one, um, if you're just hitting singles, you're not all that valuable as a prospect. So I wish him all the best. I hope maybe some swing tune up can maybe bring some power back that he has a, as a prospect. Cause he was seen as a power guy at a high school, but yeah, it just, he was doing nothing for the Jays at this time. Um, he had no immediate future with the team anyways, and just an underwhelming prospect. So they, they got two interesting guys for him. Like I said, it was a great trade in isolation. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I, I can't imagine there's a lot of fans out there complaining about this one again. If Bass comes up and isn't good, like that, that's the risk you take acquiring a veteran reliever at the deadline. At least, even if that happens, you have you know an intriguing arm to kind of track for the next little bit in Zach Pop, and maybe that pays out for you. Maybe he becomes an impact piece of the bullpen. And you know, Bass aside, this could maybe still end up being a decent trade. Right? Like I think they're just covered a little bit in the sense that yep. they get something to help now something to kind of keep an eye on down the road as well. Uh, the final move of the deadline for the Jays came right at the end. And I really got a chuckle. Um, and I thought the same thing when it kind of popped up is like, Oh, Whit Merrifield's been traded. I forget who the insider was who broke it first. Um, and I was like, Oh, fuck. wait, no, he's unvaccinated. He's not coming to the Jays. And I saw Stoughton even tweeted like, <laughs> yeah, like it's definitely not the Jays. And I was like, yeah, no, it's not. And then passing hits us with that. Oh no, it is the Jays. Like it's a done deal. And I really surprised. I, I get a chuckle out of reading those quotes too that were, and he, I, I don't have the exact one in front of me, but it was him being like, yeah, I'm not vaccinated, but if I was on a better team. I might be vaccinated. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's just a generally weird thing to do. Um, but he seemingly will get vaccinated at some point here. I think we're assuming there's no way that Jay's pulled his you trigger have to imagine. There's yeah. no way they pull the trigger, even though it was a minute before the deadline, you would imagine they had him on the line and we're like, are you going to get the shot? Cause you don't yeah. trade anything for Whit Merrifield If he's only going to play like half your games down the stretch. Yeah, I don't have any knowledge of his vaccination status or any conversations that happened, but like just common sense would indicate it's either coming immediately. Um, and, and remember, I mean, in the States, he can get a Johnson and Johnson vaccine yeah. single shot and 14 days is the wait, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like he's got to go double dose of, of uh, you know, uh, Pfizer and then, you know, not be able to play in Canada for like five weeks, right? It's not like yeah. that. So um, yeah, it, it's a fair assumption to make, but that's all we can do at this point. Assume yeah. it. Um, but yeah, really interesting deal. I'm going to have to take a little shot at you, Tyler, because I'm pretty sure I broke this trade slightly in front of passing. I'd have to oh, go back you? and check. No. So Mark Feinstein was the first report. Merrifield was traded. I quote tweeted his, his and said, Merrifield is going to the Blue Jays. I'm almost positive. I'd be passing by like five seconds because I got the notification from passing, which I had on lockdown. Um, yeah. after I had sent it, like I hit sent and then his came up and then I think Heyman's came up. So um, I know we both did it at like 302 or at like three insiders and myself were at 302. I'm 
almost positive I was the first one of that group. Uh, yeah. So I stuck it in there. Um, but yeah, so Merrifield's <laughs> an interesting fit for this team. Um, he, he's been, he's not as good as he once was. Uh, but where I find it interesting is I feel like he's a center field hedge for uh, George Springer's injury status because yep. he, uh, he grades out well in center field and, you know, not the largest sample, but he's fast, right? He's, he's, he's older, but he's retained his speed. He's still a base stealer. Um, he's not a left-handed bat, obviously, but the, the Jays, if they needed a hedge for center field, they needed to be somebody who could at least adequately pay the, play the position. And there wasn't too many combinations of left-handed bats who can also play a good center field available, right? So I'm, I'm going to guess that he takes Zach Collins' roster spot. He's going to see time in center field. And uh, yeah, he just feels like an overall health hedge during the season and then a speed, uh, versatile uh, guy in the playoffs, right? So a guy who can get you stolen base, a guy who can pinch run, a guy who can play second base and center field as needed. Um, you know, Espinal and Biggio both hit terribly in July, so he could get some reps at second base for those guys who have struggled offensively lately. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes more sense than it felt on the surface. Again, relatively underwhelming. He's around next year for, I believe like 6.5 million. Um, he's got a bonus based on playing time this year, uh, and he's going to hit that threshold. So, uh, yeah, Merrifield is around next year. And, uh, you know, he just kind of works as like, you know, a, a cover for Springer. I think that's the plan. That's my expectation is he just is used to play center field when Springer doesn't. But we'll have to see because it'll be interesting to see what kind of role the Jays envision for him. Interesting to see. I, I was just looking at his splits between lefties and righties and like he gets way more ABs against uh, or so far this season, I guess I should say. He's had way more ABs against righties, like over double. Um and his numbers are like fairly similar. Just looking at like his baseline or his baseline here. Like, I don't know. He's, he's batting 241 against righties, 239 against lefties. His, his slugging percentage goes up a little bit against righties, but you're, I think you're bang on with that. He's, he's the George Springer hedge, right? Like if, if mm-hmm. this lineup is fully healthy, Whit Merrifield's probably not playing every day um, unless they're just shifting pieces around to get him more playing time. But I have no problem with this move. Um, what did they end up giving up for him? Actually? I, I totally missed on that. So Maxwell Castillo, who we oh, kind of saw as yes, no, the that. Jays, yeah. Castillo, <laughs> and then um, uh, Samad Taylor, who was a mm-hmm. a pretty loud stats guy in AA last year, who the Jays didn't protect from the Rule 5 draft, which kind of told you how they felt about him. And he's underwhelmed this year. I, I, I don't see that as much of a loss. I think they'd rather just let him go now, opposed to feel they need to add him to the 40-man after the year. Um, but yeah, Castillo obviously was solid in the role he filled with the Jays. Uh, he wasn't as good as... Um, you know, as the ERA indicated, but yeah, I mean, he showed you a little something there that was interesting. Um, Merrifield's season is noteworthy in that his overall numbers, they're not good, right? Like they're, they're just not great. Um, but he had like a Tapia esque, maybe worse, uh, first month of the season is March and April. His way to runs creative plus was one. He was basically like the worst hitter in baseball. The first month of the season, um, since then he's been slightly above average. So, he's kind of got this, this trajectory where he was getting better as the season went. Um, and in July he had 132 weight around straight plus. So he's quite hot this last month. Um, so yeah, again, he just kind of fits as like an 11th, 10th or 11th roster piece. Um, and there's a few different areas he can cover. And again, like a, a fine ad in isolation, um, we'll, we'll see how it plays out with his role, but, uh, but yeah, you know, part of what is overall, underwhelming, but it, you can make sense of a particular deal. 
uh, Max Castillo going out, like Mitch White basically takes his spot, right? As sort of that your six starter kind of position or whatever. So that, that makes sense as well. Um, so that's it for the Jays. So let's do the old cliche game of giving Ross Atkins a letter grade for his performance here on deadline day, Bass pot Merrifield and white come in. No one. I mean, Groshans is a popular name. Obviously Castillo spent some time with the big club, but it's not like, you know, they did something crazy and gave up Gabe Moreno or whatever. So they got a few pieces. They didn't give up a ton. What grade would you slap on this? I I'm going to say like a C plus, um, or like, you know, call it like below average. It's hard to grade just the blue Jays when you're looking at what other teams are doing and being like, ah, that's better. Right. Cause then it's like, well, okay, this doesn't feel good, but the blue Jays did get better today. They got, they, they have a better roster than they had yesterday, which counts for something. But yeah, I mean, you just kind of look at it and you're like, eh, like meh. I, I think the big change to how we all would have perceived this is if they added that big swing and miss guy whether it was a Jimenez from Detroit, like you mentioned, or Soto from Detroit, or if they had a pulled off Iglesias from the angels, which certainly the Jays were talking about. Um, he was a weird case because he's a monster contract. He's still 48 million owed to Iglesias over the next three years. Um, and his velo is down a little bit this year, but he still gets swing and miss. And, you know, Anthony Bass is slightly above average in reliever swing and miss. And again, his, you know, chase rate's good and, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, you just didn't feel like you got that, that premium pen piece, whether it was controllable or not that, that you'd want to have. So I think that's what contributes to it feeling very underwhelming mm-hmm. at the same time. Again, we covered the trades. Just if you look at the trade with the Marlins, that feels like a big win with some untapped potential with Zach pop. Um, the Royals trade again, it is fine. You don't feel like you gave up a ton. Um, Mitch white, We'll have to see him perform, right? Like it, that move makes yeah. a ton of sense, but we got to go evaluate him. We got to watch how he pitches and, and see how that plays out. Um, but giving up, you know, the only guy who hurts today is Frasso because you can dream on that being like a top of the rotation starter. Um, he's a hyper athletic guy, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, C plus feels right. And there's going to be people who want to give it an F and I, I get that, um, you know, if holding it up to the Yankees deadline, but, uh, but yeah, the Jays are better than they were yesterday. They're just, worse than the Yankees were a couple days ago. So, or sorry, that, that gap has been widened a little bit. So, you know, that counts for something, right? Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately a team you're in all likelihood going to have to go through, right. If you want to get to the world series this year. So it's, it's a fair thing to bring up. I I also just think, I don't know, as lame as this sounds, I, I just, you mentioned the people who would give them an F are going to sit there and be like, Oh, hugging your prospects, blah, blah, blah. But like last year, they gave up significant prospects to go get Jose Barrios and then paid them. They paid Kevin Gosman this offseason. They went and gave up prospects to go get Matt Chapman. Like, it's not like this team has just been sitting idly on their hands while Bo and Vlad come up to the majors and this wave comes in. Like, it's it's not like Atkins has done nothing. It's the furthest thing from that. So as, as lame as it is in the moment to sit there and be like, eh, they made a big splash in the offseason. They went and picked up Matt Chapman. They did get better, like you said, I think that is kind of the truth of what happened here. And yeah, you would have loved to see them go get one reliever with swing and miss stuff. And and that's probably the biggest downfall. Like I, I was close to kind of saying like, oh, I'll give them a B for this. But I think I would have liked to see one more impactful bullpen arm added for me to go to a B. So I'll agree with you and go in with a C plus like, yep, they got better. Yep. There's some upside in these moves, but there was nothing flashy. There's nothing that's significantly impactful in this haul they got at the deadline. You mentioned the Yankees, and I want to get to them in a second, but first, going to give some love 
to our friends over at DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first-time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Coomzy's exhausted from moving. I guarantee you he is ordering from DoorDash tonight. Maybe he's ordering, even ordering Montana's because everyone loves a little rack of ribs after a busy day. Uh, let's talk about what else happened around the American League East, and we'll start with the Yankees. Uh, what it... What did you think about what they did? Because they were certainly active and they certainly got better. And I'm actually surprised when I saw the Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader trade come across. I was like, oh, it's done. They're getting Pablo Lopez, too. And they're just going like full on juggernaut mode. Um, but regardless of that Lopez deal not happening, they still got much, much better. Yeah, it was really interesting deadline uh, for the Yankees going. Harrison Bader uh, is kind of that finishing move. They, they decided they just wanted to have an elite. Uh, defensive center fielder. Uh, Bader can't hit all that well, but they gave up Jordan Montgomery, a, a rotation stalwart for the team. Um, guy who's been there a long time with another year and a half of control. Uh, so that was kind of a surprising trade. And and yeah, it's great to see Pablo Lopez not be the reason for that. Uh, sending Joey Gallo out just made sense. That's kind of what the team had progressed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, the two big trades the, the Yankees made, um, the ones that really felt of, of note were on Monday. Uh, so getting Scott F. Ross, which is uh, a, a funny name when you think of how some Jays fans feel about Blue Jays GM right now. Um, but they, they got F. Ross, who's a, kind of a sidearm reliever, who's been very good this year as a rookie and kind of one of those like six-year controllable guys. The big move being Frankie Montas and, and uh, Lou Trevino. Um, big trade. That was a big move and one the Jays were very much in. That, that the, you know, the finalists with Oakland were the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Um, and again, I, it's one of those deals where fans look at it and see it as a bit of an underwhelming prospect return. And basically it all comes down to how you view Ken Waldachuk, who, you know, Fangraphs has as like a, what, I think 35th overall in their prospects list or they, they view him as like a, a premium left-handed starter. He's, he's striking out like I think 14 per nine in AAA this year. So he's got the the stats to back up, you know, what, what he's doing. And then, um, you know, some other names uh, along with that, Luis Medina, who's 60th in Fangraphs. So you look at Fangraphs, they're super high on this return. Like they're, they're really liking it for the Yankees. You look at Keith Law and he's much lower on it. So it's kind of prospects are in the eye of the beholder and clearly the A's kind of more aligned with the fan graphs view than the athletic view of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they, they made more moves than the blue Jays and uh, you know, an already good Yankee team who's running away with the division is now yeah. better set up for playoff success, which is the big thing there. Uh, other teams that were busy, the Seattle Mariners, obviously making their big splash a few days ago now, getting Luis Castillo, the Minnesota Twins, who are leading the Central. They had a busy day picking up a couple of arms, including Michael Fulmer, a guy who the Jays reportedly had some level of interest in. He obviously a bullpen arm. I'd imagine the Jays called on pretty much every bullpen arm that was available. Uh, but the Twins looked like they got a lot better. Seattle looked like they got better. But the most interesting thing for me when you look at this it feels like every team that's not currently holding a playoff spot in the American league, just wave the white flag. We're done. There's going to be no playoff race this year. Cause even though Cleveland's only a game back like there, I don't view them as much of a threat considering how much better Seattle got. And the fact Tampa and Toronto probably aren't going to fall off that significantly Baltimore for me, like for a fan base that could use some good vibes, this just has to be a real punch in the, you know, what to like watch Trey Mancini go out the door, watch your closer go out the door as well. And be like, well, this whole fun first half was all for nothing because our front office doesn't believe. Yeah. That's one of those spreadsheet moves, right? Where it's yeah. like, yeah, the Orioles were not making the playoffs. They never were. Um, at the same time, when you are building a culture, 
you know, you, you gotta, you gotta weigh how valuable is this trade return we're going to get for, you know, players at X, Y, and Z versus what we're trying to build here and sustain here and, and be known for. So um, it seems like the Trey Mancini return was fine. They've got some upside arms there, uh, which are valuable to a team like, like Baltimore. So I totally get it. But that guy was the heart and soul of that locker room. And yeah, he was a free agent at the end of the year, but they could have kept him as well. Um, and, and just an organization on the ascent. So you don't, you don't want to have all these players who are overachieving and, uh, and just having a really impressive season now just kind of feel downtrodden and lousy going into the final two months and feel like it doesn't matter. Right. So, um, again, the the Orioles could just go out and keep winning at the same pace and be fine. Uh, and, and, you know, trading the reliever probably makes more sense, uh, you know, just cause less of a, a bullpen kick, but, but yeah, that was, that was an interesting move to see. And obviously the Jays play them 15 more times. So they've got one reliever who's pitched very well against them, but they don't have to see now. And, uh, and Mancini who's hit well against the Jays who, who won't be in place. So it helps them there. And, and the Red Sox had a weird deadline, like super weird. They decided to unload some pieces, keep some others, make some very strange ads, including Eric Hosmer, um, for free basically. But I'm just like, you know, the Red Sox top prospect is a first baseman in AAA. So I don't know why you're just not playing Tristan Cassis. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there's some weird moves by the teams who aren't currently in the playoff picture. And uh, the playoffs do kind of feel anything can happen. The Red Sox aren't so much worse that you feel like they can't just get hot and make a run. And they, they still have Uvalde and JD Martinez. So they didn't move Bogarts. Yeah. They didn't move Bogarts. Like they, they just unloaded a a couple pieces and then Mm -hmm. added a few things here and there. Again, it was just a weird kind of hard to make sense of deadline for the Red Sox, but they're not down and out of it. But it does kind of feel like the teams in the playoffs are the ones that kind of really care this year. The teams just outside of it were like, ah, it's not worth it. Um, except for Tampa. I mean, Tampa added David Peralta. That was about it. So, but, you know, I mean, the Blue Jays had a better deadline than the Rays, but that's not a bar you want to uh, grade yourself against because the Rays typically aren't heavy buyers. They just yeah. do it all through their own depth. So, yeah, weird, weird AL uh, uh, trade deadline for sure. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Let's uh, wrap up with this courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. They have updated World Series odds over on their site. Dodgers one, Yankees two. Then it goes Astros, Mets, Braves, Padres at 10 to one. And let's just pause there for a second because the Jays are next to 15 to one. The Padres at 10 to one, considering the move they made today. And I can't believe it took me 33 minutes into this podcast to bring it up, considering it's one of the biggest trades, not just of this deadline or of the last 10 deadlines, but one of the biggest trades in Major League Baseball history. And that's Juan Soto going to the Padres for a monumental haul. Like there are some big, big names, guys that could very well be perennial all stars in their Major League career, BK. But I still look at this and go, why would you trade Juan Soto? And I get mm. why they're trading Juan Soto. They offered him $440 million. He said, no, you cash in on that, I suppose. But he's a 23-year-old future Hall of Famer. And they moved him. Like, I just, I just still can't believe we got that big of a move in season, um, even though there was a lot of talk leading up to it. But just give me both sides of this. First, the prospects, mm. the Nats are, the prospect that is, prospects that the Nats are getting. And then also how this move bolsters a Padres team who... Also got Josh Bell in it. And again, like they're 10 to yeah. one to win the World Series. I think it's a great spot because they look loaded. Yeah, I mean, they they got a pretty heavy return from uh, the Padres. The Nationals did, um, you know, again, looking at prospect lists, that type of thing. They basically got three top 50 guys and then Mackenzie Gore, who I believe is graduated. But he was, uh, you know, one of the top pitching prospects for years. Um, and then, uh, you know, Susanna, who's, who's kind of this, like, you know, lesser heralded, but another fire fireball arm, but it, here, here's the thing. If you're going to trade a super valuable player, um, for a hall to me, I want the return to be, uh, position players focused, right? Like the big three of this deal are Robert, Robert Hassel, the third James Wood and CJ Abrams. Again, uh, Abrams up to like top five in some lists, Hassel top 15 in some lists. Um, and James Wood, who is like a top 50 guy right now, but you talk to prospect guys about him and they'll be like, yeah, he's, he's probably top 10 by the end of the year. So they got basically upside athletes too. Like not, these aren't college guys with this like high floor and that's why they have prospect stature. These are athletes with premium production in the minors, like premium production. Um, who come with a ton of athleticism, whose draft stock and draft position matches kind of what you're getting results now. It's a return that that makes sense for the Nationals. And for the Padres, they're going to be rolling with Tatis and Machado and Soto. And it's just an absolute juggernaut. You combine that with the fact that they managed to, to also go and grab Josh Hader this deadline too. I just look at that and I, I hold them, again, just using the points bet odds here for reference. I hold the Padres up to the Braves and the Mets, maybe not quite even at the Dodgers level yet, but I, I think they've leapfrogged the Braves and the Mets. And I think they, I think they're the second best team in the national league. And I think in a best of seven series, considering the assets that they have BK, I hope you were doing okay. I know, I, I know usually it's, it's proper podcasting etiquette to ignore that, but you had a, you had a Juan Soto trade sized coughing fit there. And I'm, I'm worried about you, man. You're good. I got non-COVID sick three and a half weeks ago, <laughs> and I still have the, <clears throat> the lingering cough. And I lasted. I was doing so good. I didn't even have water during this podcast. I was cruising. It wasn't even a thought. And then it hit me. And I was incapable of talking again until I got some water. We'll see how I finish. Hopefully oh, yeah. finish strong. I think we're almost done here anyways. But yes, oh, yeah, apologies for that. I'll, I'll hit you with a quick one then. Are the Padres the second best team in the National League, or do you have them lower than that? 
<clears throat> I haven't thought too much about that. It's a very good question. They probably from a playoff odds perspective, I wouldn't position them there because they have to play in that wild card round. Mm. Whereas the Mets or the Braves, whoever wins the NLE will get a buy through that round. So <clears throat> from a probability standpoint, I wouldn't have them second. From a roster standpoint, assuming Tatis comes back healthy, uh, I think I'd be comfortable at least putting them in that conversation. Yeah. That's the tier of teams, right? It's it's the Dodgers are cream of the crop. And then you have very good Braves, Mets, and Padres teams. So uh, that kind of seems like the core four in the National League. And any of those teams can make a, can make a World Series run. Um, and two of them are going to be playing in the wildcard round, which would be fascinating, right? Uh, potentially, uh, <clears throat> actually, yeah, potentially against each other, which would be just one heck of a series. Uh, whether you got like Braves, Padres, or Mets, Padres in a three-game series to kick off the postseason, like sign me up for that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a very good team. Soto's so fun, and uh, I'm I'm going to San Diego in a few weeks, so I'm hoping like that whole Tatis is back. I get to see that whole lineup. But uh, yeah, really fun roster. Uh, before we wrap up, are you making any more trips out to Toronto this year? Are you going to see the dome one more time before it gets three hundred million dollars in renovations pumped into it? Uh, no, my next trip should be with the uh, with the new look outfield and nice. uh, the eight hundred lounges or sorry specialty seating areas uh, yeah. or you know hangout areas with uh, you know all these decks that they're putting in and stuff like that. I'm excited about the renovations. I think they look really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited for my next trip out there because of that. But uh, yeah, I don't expect to be out to Toronto again. Maybe I'd make a push for a playoff series, um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, my next time there should be with uh, with a renovated outfield. All right. Well, appreciate you hopping in for some trade deadline insight here. It was a pleasure doing the pod with you. Thank you, sir. All right. That's going to do it for episode 100 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Shout out to DoorDash and shout out to our new friends at Montana's. From now until September 12th, it is their all-you-can-eat rib fest. You can find out more using the hashtag GetMontanasMessy. Have a good week. No podcast coming after the Rays series here, which means the next time we chat with you, it'll be after the Twins series on Sunday. Hope you all enjoyed deadline day and enjoy the next couple series of Blue Jays baseball, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 